Good morning, everyone. Happy, happy Father's Day. Did you men get your breakfast in bed and pampered this morning? Okay, no. Okay, so that's good. Hey, I, uh, I, we just want to wish you a happy Father's Day. I just want to recognize my dad real quick. Dad, just stand up real quick. This is my dad, Barden Sr. Some of you may not know who he is. We actually dress alike, don't we? We actually kind of get my fashion cues from my dad. Um, very thankful for my dad. Godly influence in my life. Love you, Dad. I know some of you here today, um, this isn't always a great day. Maybe it, maybe it brings up some hurt, some past, maybe regrets, maybe things that choice, not right choices that you've made in your past. And I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning that, that Jesus is a faithful Savior. And the example that we have in Christ is one who cares and loves us, heals us. And I want you to know that here at Living Word, we want to stand with you men to help you. And in order to do that, how many of you know that sometimes we have to be vulnerable and say, hey, we don't have it all together? And that's the kind of culture we like to create here at Living Word, is that we come to Christ with our brokenness, not that everything is perfect, not that everything is all together. And we allow the Lord to lead us and, and to show us what it means uh, to be a father, to be a husband, to be the man of God that, that he expects us to be. But we do that together. And I would just encourage you men that are here this morning that I want you to know that we're praying for you, that we stand with you, that we want to do all we can to help you in your walk with Christ, to allow God to do the things that he needs to do in your heart and your life so you can be the husband and the father that God desires you to be. How many know we're all a work in progress and we all have our issues and we need the Lord's help? So I want to pray for you just where we jump in God's word today, that God would just give you um, his grace and that you would be willing to take those steps forward to allow the Lord to help you in your lives and knowing that here at Living Weird, we want to walk with you. We've got so many men's groups and small groups that you can be part of that, that just really help to implement uh, what God desires uh, to be in your life. So, Father God, I, I, I just I want to thank you for today. And I know today maybe there are some that are just hurting. Maybe it's a loss of, of their dad or past regrets or whatever it might be. Lord, I thank you that you're our healer today. I thank you, Jesus, that... Your example to us in so many ways is perfect, that, that you are a perfect Savior in every way. And I, and I just pray for the men of our church, that God, we would be vulnerable, that we would be open, that we would allow you to do the work that you need to do in our hearts, that God, we would be uh, bold enough to realize our mistakes and that we can lay them at your feet and that there's forgiveness of our sin, there's forgiveness of our past, and we thank you, Lord, that you are, are, are good and perfect in every way. So, Lord, I just I thank you for the men here today, and I, I just lift them up to you. And, uh, Lord, we're so grateful for, for just everything you do for us each and every day. You're a beautiful Savior. We love you, we thank you, and we ask these things. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everyone said? Amen, amen. We're in a, we're in a, a, a series... Um, called Battleground. And, and we've been looking at, you know, 
the, the greatest struggle that is in your life, and many, many times we look at our struggles in our lives as something that's exterior, not, not so much uh, in the interior parts of our, our, our life or internal. And we've come to realize that our greatest struggles and our battles come internally. And it, it, we, we know that life comes with all kinds of problems. And I love the Word of God because it, it, it doesn't say that we will never have problems or that life will be easy. And we understand we all have issues, we all have problems, and we really need to understand that, that the church is not a perfect place. Amen? If, if you're looking for a perfect church and you find it, let me know. I say this all the time, because I will leave this church and I will go with you and I will ruin that church, okay? So there's no perfect church. How many know that, 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 that church is, is full of, of bruised people? They're, they're full of hurting people. And I think we can buy the lie that we have to clean ourselves up and we have to be all these things that we aren't in order to come to the church. And we have to put on this exterior to show everybody else that, that we've got it all together. But if we really know each other and if we're vulnerable with each other, we really understand that we all have struggles. And have you ever felt like, like you do really well in one area of your life only to feel like a failure in another part of your life? I mean, it, you, you might feel successful at work only, only to struggle with, with your marriage or family. There will always be some part of our lives that we struggle with, and that's the reality that we face. And so what we've discovered the last couple of weeks is that our greatest struggle comes from within, not necessarily from without. Our greatest battles come from our minds. So how do we battle the right way and how do we win these battles of our mind because we all struggle in our thought life we, we struggle with doubt with fear with negativity with with insecurity um, they will always be there so the question is how do we correctly battle destructive thoughts that can come into our lives how do we correctly battle with the thoughts of our past and the regrets of our past? How do we correctly deal with those things? And so what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at, at fear. We're going to look at how do we battle fear correctly? Fear of the future, fear of my health, fear of spiders and snakes. Um, I'm, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. For those of you who were at the senior citizen luncheon a week ago last Thursday, what I didn't tell you on Thursday is just before we met and had our lunch, there was a big snake in the gym. And so uh, we noticed it. It was about a 14-foot milk snake. It was a New York State record. I'm lying, okay? But when we saw this snake... Um, I'm glad I was there because everybody else was afraid of the snake. And they all went crying, <laughs> running in the corner. There's people in the corner of the church in a fetal position sucking their thumbs. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, do I got to get the snake here? So, so, and I'm not going to tell you who it was, Jim Bacardo. But anyways, I'm not going to tell you who was afraid. No, to be honest with you, I, Jim was in here doing something in the sanctuary and I was in the gym and I was screaming, oh my, and Jim came, comes in. He, he thought there's a bunch of junior high girls in the lobby of the church <laughs> screaming. So I come in, I go, there's a snake in it. So Jim came in and thanks to Jim, he got the snake and he took the snake out. I don't know what he did with it outside, but he took this, he just told me I took the snake outside and I think he released him. So let's thank Jim Bacardo for saving the church from that snake. Okay. For those of you that like to have pet snakes, you're just weird, okay? You're just, there's something wrong. I don't know how, I just like, just having a snake in my house, I couldn't sleep. So I know that's just, that's just me. But what, so 
Here's my question to you. When does fear cross the line into unhealthy fear? When do, when do we cross the line from, sometimes there's healthy fears like don't jump off the roof of your house. That's a good fear to have, right? There's some things that we, we, need, to, we need to definitely, some of you are looking at each other like you actually did that, so I hope none of you jumped off the roof of your house. Um, so if we're not careful, here's what happens. Fear can control our minds to the point where we cannot make clear decisions. It strangles us, it paralyzes us, it takes over everything else. And think of the fear that you might have. Maybe it's the fear of, you know, speaking in front of large crowds or maybe the fear of small places, the fear of flying, the fear of your health. Whatever that, whatever that, that fear is, think about, the, about that fear. And, I, and I'm not the greatest with, with heights either. I don't like heights. I don't, they're, I'm okay on a ladder once in a while, but I don't like heights. And we were in New York City a couple of years ago and we decided to go to the Empire State Building, which we've never been to. So we went up around the observation deck. I don't know if it's 70 or 80 stories high, whatever it is, but you're way up there. And I got up there and I'm just like, have you ever been there where you're just like, you start sweating a little bit and your knees start knocking. And next thing I know, I am out flat on the observation deck. Kathleen's giving me CPR. It's just, no, I'm just teasing. But I, it, it does. There's this fear of heights. Like I'm just like, wow, I, this is this is crazy. And you know, and I I really wanted to go up the Empire State Building and see the building where King Kong climbed up. So I really I wanted I wanted I wanted to to, to see to see that. But here was the interesting thing. When we we're going through uh, the Empire State Building to get the history of how it was built. And what amazes me are the people that built this skyscraper because there was no like safety harnesses. These, these men were out on these girders, stories up in the air, and, and building the Empire State Building. And uh, many of the steel workers were from the Mohawk Native American tribe. And I've got a picture of one of them. I, I, that, to me, I'm just like, I, I'm sweating right now just looking at it. I mean, I just don't know how they could do that. And they built so many of the skyscrapers in New York City. And, and, and so many did a job with no safety harness at any time. And it was interesting. I read an article of what was said about the Mohawk steel workers and what they learned to do. It wasn't that they, it wasn't that they weren't fearful of the height or, or falling, or there was something innate in, in them that made them uh, be able to do this. But what they learned to do is, as I read this article, they said it was the ability to control that fear that gave them the ability to walk and to do the work at those extreme heights and the amazing work that they did. 365 times we are told in the word of God to fear not. 365 times we are told in the word of God to fear not. Let me give you a couple passages of scripture here that speak to this and can hopefully help you in your fears today. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Psalms 56 says this, But when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God uh, for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? The prophet Isaiah says in chapter 41, For I hold you by my right hand. Listen to what he says. Listen to what the Lord says here. For I hold you by my right hand. I, the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. 
I'm here to help you. Listen to the words of Jesus recorded for us in John 14. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So what are some insights that we can learn from Scripture about fear? What are some insights that we can, we can learn here? Let me tell you two things real quick that we have to understand about fear. Fear is constantly vying for your attention. Constantly vying for your attention. I mean, think about it. Just, that's why I don't watch the news anymore. Watch five minutes of the news, the first five minutes, right? And it's like, there's a new thing I got to worry about. I did not realize that toilet paper could actually strangle you. I didn't realize that. I didn't know that. If you're not doing it, th- I don't, you know, I, there's so many things. Have you ever done that? Like, okay, now I got to worry about that. Now I got to worry about this. Now I got to worry about ransomware and I got to worry about this. And all of a sudden, are they going to attack my phone? And what is ransomware? Where is it? Is it going to attack, you know, and I'm like, can I just protect my phone like this and it won't attack it, right? You're just like, you, we have all these things that we need to be fearful of. You watch five minutes of the news and more fear and more fear and more fear. And we need to understand too that fear is something that we must always battle. So the question is, how do we battle fear correctly? How do we do it? How do we battle fear correctly? Well, In Timothy, Paul tells us that we are not given this spirit of fear. The word fear in this passage has the meaning of one who actually runs from the battle. It's actually one who runs from the battle. So so what Paul is telling us is when we have fear, what we end up doing is running away from it and trying to figure it out ourselves and how are we going to do this. Where in fact, what we're going to see through a story in the Old Testament, in fact, we're, we're, we're to face our fears and come in, in direct confrontation with our fears. But the question is, how do we correctly battle our fears so they don't overwhelm us and they don't paralyze us and keep us from making decisions? And we all have fears, and it may be fear because, you know, maybe something happened in your past and it's traumatic and that, that, that always reminds you when you're near that thing or whatever it is, and it can literally grip our hearts and keep us from moving forward. And so I want to give you an interesting story here. Many of us know the story. There was a, there was a battle between Israel and the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were, were, was a const, constant Achilles heel to the Israelites, And there's this battle that's going on. And on one side, you have the army of the Philistines and they have their champion, who is Goliath. And so what they are, you have these battle lines and you've got the Philistines on one side, you've got got the Israelites on one side and you've got this, this giant called Goliath. And nothing's going on. Goliath comes out and day after day is like, hey, who, who do you got for me? Who's going to fight? And, and the, the, the Israelites are paralyzed in their fear, which is keeping them from doing nothing. They're not entering the battle. The fear there is keeping them from coming and engaging in the battle. So let me read for you 1 Samuel 17, verse 4. It says, and listen to, listen to the description they give of Goliath. It says, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, that was a final Jeopardy question that I actually got right and my family didn't. Woo, come on. All right. 
So there's a champion named Goliath from Gath. He came out of the Philistine camp and his height was six cubits and a span, which is probably about nine feet tall. So it's a big dude, right? He's a big dude. And this is an interesting description of Goliath. Now, when you think of champion, you think of someone who's a champion, like champion of sport. They win a lot of victories. But I want to give you the, the Hebrew meaning of this word champion. This is, the, this is an interesting description of Goliath. Goliath's description is one of a champion. This word literally means the man of the between. That's what that word literally means, the man of the between. So let me illustrate. So you've got, you've got the, the Israelites over here, and you've got the Philistines over here, and you've got your battle line, right? And, and you've got Israel that's walking in fear. You've got the Philistines. they got their champion. And what Goliath does is he steps out in front of the Philistines as the champion. The, the, he represents the Philistines. Now, I want you to understand something. The Israelites, this is symbolic of their fear. They are fearful because of this champion, Goliath. So he steps out and says, well, who's going to confront me? Who do you got? And they're in fear because they're dominated by this champion that's called Goliath. So it's a person, the ESV study notes say it's a person who steps out and fights between the battle lines. So what Goliath does is he steps out as the champion between the battle lines and is ready to fight as the, as the representative of the Philistines. So Goliath stands between the Philistines who are the enemy and God's people who are the Israelites. And so he, he represents the Philistines or the enemy. So what Goliath does is he stands at the battle line and he sees no one coming forth. All he sees is fear. So you got these guys day after day and they said, hey, who's going to go out and you know, fight this guy? I don't know. Who are you going to do? I mean, I'm just reserves. I'm just weekend guy. I mean, I, I, I'm not doing... Are you kidding me? I'm not going to... You know, I don't, my sword, I don't even know if it's sharp. And the only thing I had is a butter knife that I pulled out of the kitchen drawer. That's all I got. I'm not, I'm looking at him. He's got a spear. The, the spearhead weighs 25 pounds. I mean, he's, he's a big dude. I ain't going out there. And all of a sudden, you got David who comes, and he's bringing a, you know, tuna fish sandwich to his brothers. And they're like, hey, what's going on, guys? Got little David. And they're like, yeah, it's another day. And Goliath's out there, and he's taunting us. He's mocking our God. And David's like, well, I'll go out there. They're like, okay, David, nice. Go back and tend your sheep, right? Go back and play your harp. This is, this is big boy time, okay? This is big boy time. He goes, no. he goes, no, I'll do it. And then they try to give him armor. It didn't fit. And so David's like, you know, forget this. Just let me have my sling. And I'm going to go out there. And I'm going to face this guy. So you've got everyone that's fearful. And they're fearful of the enemy and Goliath. And you've got David who is not. You have David who's willing to take a step between the battle lines. He's willing to take a step and represent Israel. David understood what was needed to fight the battle. So what was different about David? He was no match for Goliath. Goliath saw him as a joke. What did David understand that the Israelites didn't understand? Why did they walk in fear when David didn't? You see, when we come to our fears with the wrong weapons, so many times we come 
to our fears with the wrong weapons, and so we try to battle fear in our own strength. There was no way David in his own strength, little teeny David, with no armor, with no nothing, would be able to defeat Goliath in his own strength physically. So why wasn't David intimidated? Why wasn't he afraid? Listen to what the scriptures say in 1 Samuel 17, 45. It says, then David says to the Philistine, you come against me with what? Sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of our Lord, in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of who? The armies of Israel, whom you have defied, whom you have defiled, whom you have mocked. I come in the name of the Lord. So what David does is, David steps up to the battle line and stands between Israel and the enemy. David now is the representative of Israel as much as the enemy, Goliath, is the representative of, of the enemy of the Philistines. So what David does is he steps up to the battle line and he stands between Israel and the enemy. What David does at that point before anything happens, before he throws a stone, before he slews uh, Goliath, before any of that, David now becomes the champion. David is the man in between. He takes the step to represent God. So David now becomes the champion. He now is the true Israelite. He defeated the enemy that stood in the way, and he stood between Israel and the enemy. Now, this is where we go wrong when we try to insert ourselves into this story. Listen to me, everybody, listen real close. You online, listen real close. Don't do this. See, what we try to say is, be like David. Just face your enemies. Face your Goliaths, whatever it may be. You can slew them with a little stone and it's going to knock it down, right? Doesn't work. How many, can I get an amen? How many of you know when you try to face your fears and the enemy and your own strength, that this isn't the point of the story. The point of the story is not be like David. Let me tell you what the point of the story is. Don't stop there. Don't stop with David and say, okay, so I've got to be the person in between. I've got to be strong. I've got to be like David and just face all my fears. If you stop there, you miss the meaning of where it's completed in Christ Jesus. I don't want you to miss this because the story is actually a picture of Jesus. Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. This, this is a picture of what Christ ultimately does for us. Because Jesus was our man between. He stood between us and judgment. Jesus went in the middle for you and I by giving his life on the cross to defeat the works of the enemy and the power. Listen, this is so Good. I had a donut before we had the service. So I'm really hyped up on all the sugar. And dad, you're going to have donuts in a minute. We got a special gift for you because we love you guys. And we do donuts for dad because, and it's calorie free for today only. So enjoy your donut after the service. But I had a donut. That's why I'm so hyper. But listen, here's what's so beautiful about this picture. What Jesus does is he stands in between for you and I by giving his life on the cross. And what he does, he disarms the power 
of fear and death over our lives through the beautiful atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross. See, our greatest fears, we all have fears, right? But our greatest fear, I don't, I don't care who you are, if you're a follower of Christ or not, is the fear of the unknown and what happens. What happens after we die? And what Jesus does is he comes and he eliminates that fear for us. So this is ultimately a picture of what Christ did for us. He was our man between, he stood between us and judgment. He stands between us and the fear of death. He stands between us and eternal death. He faced the fury of sin and death and conquered it for you and I. And so you've got to connect this story with, with Jesus. That Jesus is a representative. Jesus is our go-between. Jesus is your champion. He championed everything for you. So in Christ Jesus, we are champions with him. We can now face our fears, not that I'm doing it myself, but notice that David came in the name of the Lord. He represented him. It was God who slewed the giant before them. And Jesus comes and slews our greatest enemy. He slews our fears. He comes between for you and I. And so Jesus ultimately becomes our champion. And so what Jesus does is he calms our fears, our fears of the future because he is victorious over our worst fears. So what happens? What's the end of the story here with David? Well, we know that, you know the story of David. David defeats Goliath. And what, and what does he do? He cuts off his, his head. Yeah, it's in the Bible. It's cool. Read it sometimes. It's pretty cool. There's some, some neat stories in the Bible. It's fun. But after, after David defeats Goliath, he cuts off his head, and the Philistines saw their champion was defeated, and so what did they do? They ran. They got the heck out of there. They started running. Now, what did the Israelites do? The Israelites chased them. They chased them. Because the enemy was defeated there was a way open for them. David stood in the middle as God's representative and as the enemy was defeated, a way was open. Their fears were no longer there because the enemy was slewed by the Lord their God. So what's the point of the story? We can't fight the battle over our fears in ourselves. Goliath wouldn't be the last giant. If you read through the scriptures there in the Old Testament, we may not, you may not realize that David had to fight other giants. There's going to be other battles for him. And so the point of the story is it's not us fighting our battles. It's going to the one who fights those battles for us. And so what Jesus does is he defeats and disarms the enemy through the power of the cross and through the power of of his resurrection. Fear no longer has to dominate our hearts. What can mere mortal man do to me? So you say, well, okay, pastor, that's great. But how, how do I deal with the next fear? How do, I, how do I deal with the next pandemic? How do I deal with the next what if? Here's what I want you to see. You have to be proactive in your walk with Christ. You, you have to pursue Jesus every single day as you pursue him. And as you find yourself drifting off into the world again and those 
anxious thoughts and those fearful thoughts, you have an advocate now in Christ Jesus who fights for you. That we can cast all our cares and all our anxieties at his feet because he cares for you. What did Jesus tell his fearful disciples when he said he was leaving in John 14? He said, do not let what? Your hearts be troubled. And what did he tell them to do? He said, read this book or do these three steps or do all. He didn't say that. What did he tell them to do? He said, trust in me. Trust in my father as well. For in my father's house are many what? Dwelling places, mansions. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if it wasn't so, I would have told you. Now, were the disciples and the apostles of Jesus going to face many tribulations and trials and heartaches? Absolutely. But Jesus calmed their fears by saying, it doesn't matter what men can do. Ultimately, your place is with me. So we need to be proactive in giving those things to the Lord and not fighting it in our own strength. Not fighting it in my own will, but coming before the Lord and say, God, I have this, I have this struggle. I have this anxiety today. Um, Lord, I need your peace. Find your identity in your champion. Find your identity in Christ. And Christ will calm your fears because he will encourage you with his words that say, I will never leave you or forsake you. He will encourage you with his presence. He will encourage you with eternal life. And all those things are the things we need to cope with the battle of our fears that we will continually face as we live in this world. But let's fight the right way. So how, how does this practically look like within your marriage or within your family? Men, let me just speak to you real quick here and we're going to close. Men, you've got to step up as that champion for your family. That you step up and you face the enemy and you stand in the middle with the Lord's strength. Listen, a relationship, a marital relationship, a biblical marriage relationship is, is, is the man's covering of his family. That doesn't mean he's better. That's not an employee-employer relationship. That's not what it means. What it means is this, is you cover and you sacrifice for your family and you stand in the gap. And so husbands, you've got to lead that way by praying for your wife, by being that cover, covering for her, by protecting her, by doing all you can to allow the Lord to speak into her life and to find comfort and security that she needs in Christ Jesus. And listen, I believe with all my heart that as the man covers his family, there's a protection there. There's a protection there. It's praying for your kids. Whether your kids are serving the Lord, they're in your house, they're out of your house, they're grown, whatever it is, you continue to stand in the gap for them as you pray for them. Because I know for me, it's so much easier to worry and what are they going to do? What's going to happen? And we can be proactive now by fighting it the right way in prayer. By saying, Lord, you know everything and I'm going to give this to you and I'm going to lay this at your feet. How many know that we have to lay our children at the Lord's feet ultimately? Couples, husbands, give your wife to the Lord and cover her 
and be the champion that Christ desires you to be in that relationship and be proactive. And as you pray together and lead spiritually, there's a covering. And I believe that's the right way to fight the enemy, to fight fear, to bring trust into that relationship and peace. Amen? Thanks for letting me poke you a little bit this morning. I love you. I do, I do love you guys. So I'm going to pray for you today, and maybe some of you are really struggling. What's that fear that you have in your heart today that you can say, Pastor Barton, here's something I'm really, I've been just worrying about, and it's really been gripping my heart. I, I, I just want you to lay that thing at the Lord's feet. And I'm not saying it's not going to be there tomorrow or next week. It will be. But remember that the Lord desires to give you peace. He said, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome this world. And he'll help you to walk through it and to give you a different perspective. Find your identity in him. Find your identity in Jesus, your champion. He's done it all for you. So let's fight the right way, amen. So let me pray for you. Father God, I, I, I thank you for every husband that's in this room right now, every, every future husband. Lord, I pray for every family in this room. Lord, I pray that you would begin to do a work in relationships and marriages. That, Lord, we would not walk in fear, that we would step up to the battle lines and we would go between with Jesus, our champion, who's paved the way for us. And we would not run from our fears, but we would be proactive in the way we pray, the way we pray for our wives, the way we pray for our children, God. Lord, when fear grips our heart over the unknown or or whatever that thing might be, I pray we would find ourselves in Christ, that we would know that Jesus' words are words of peace. He said, do not put your trust in this world or the things of this world or your circumstances because they will only lead to destructive thoughts and harmful ways. But Lord, we put our trust in the Prince of Peace. And as we traverse through this world, we thank you that you have opened up a way that we can face our fears, not in our own strength, but through our champion, Jesus. So I pray for every heart here today that, God, we would lay those things at your feet, knowing that in return, we find your peace, that in return, you cover us in yourself, that you overshadow us, that you'll never let us go. We need to hear that, that we are your children, that we are co-heirs with Christ for those who indeed suffer with him and have put their trust in him. So we thank you for your promises. They are true and true. And again, they are true. So we love you. We thank you. And we just want to give you the glory, Jesus, as we give our hearts to you. In Jesus' precious name, in Jesus' wonderful name. All God's children said amen. Amen to God's word. Amen.